It amuses him for now. But the game will not go on this way for long. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about Tom too about not playing the NDE. It was free for all, and I heard him say he bought my Borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and I'm going to kick things off with a little back and forth between me and the legendary Joe Richter of Hindsightless. What you got for me, Joe? So I think it was Jason that coined the term pulling a Norton. It was Rob from Down in the Heap who coined the term pulling a Jack Daniels, which I love. And that's when, if you haven't heard, you leave multiple messages for somebody before you've listened to the whole episode. But what do we call it when Jason is basically live tweeting while he listens to our episodes? What is that called? That's that's my question to you, Spencer. Also, yeah, Swiss Army knives are practical, but butterfly knives are way cooler. Peace out. Thank you, Joe. Joe Richter there from Hindsightless. Now, uh, yeah, I know butterfly knives may be way cooler, but as useless as my fingers are, I would like to keep them attached. Yeah, and the, the Jack Daniels, I love that. <laughs> quality quality comment from Rob C of Down in a Heap. And what do I call it when Jason calls in mid-episode? Um, I call that triggering. <laughs> Only kidding, Jason. Don't stop calling. Your calls are one of the reasons why I continue to have a podcast. Yeah, and desanction. I remember if it was you or somebody else talking about it, but it when I first started hearing about it, it sounded it sounds like Suicide Squad set in the 16th century, which that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm into that. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, 16th century Suicide Squad. Yeah, I like that. I think that that captures it pretty nicely. And, um, well, you know, as far as motivations for playing, well, not motivations for playing, but excuses for your character being involved in what they're involved in. Your motivation's all there, isn't it? You can't get much better than that. I'd be totally down to play Morkborg with you as long as it wasn't at like some crazy time, my time, but it probably would be. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, just to let you know, I'd be totally down to join your Morkborg crew. Solitary defilement, huh? I didn't realize my memoirs were already on sale. And I hope me saying that desanction reminded me of like 16th century Suicide Squad didn't make it seem like I didn't think it sounds cool because I think it sounds super cool, man. Uh, that thing you read on your latest episode off the cover about leaving these study or whatever you just read, that sounded boss as hell, man. <laughs> Game sounds dope. 
Convoluted shenanigans could also be the name of my memoirs. Yes, Joe, I most certainly would love to have you join me in a game. I was fortunate enough to play in a game with Joe a couple of weeks back, and I realized I think it's possibly only the, the third time we've played together, which is a crime in itself. I, and I know, yeah, the whole timing thing is difficult, but we really need to get in more games together. Yeah, and, and Morkborg with you, Jason, BJ and Carl, that would be fantastic. Maybe we can make that happen. That was an awesome episode, dude. I enjoyed every second of it. And yeah, so if you were wondering why I was wondering what we should call somebody who uh, live messages while they're listening, now you know. Anyway, man, take it easy. Peace out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What to call someone? Yeah. What to call someone who who live messages while they're listening? Perhaps we should call that a. Um... Shut the f- up, Donny. Hey, Spencer Jason here pulling a Norton as I listen to your latest episode. So I, I was just kidding about the thing about, you know, reviewing a something you're unboxing while you're unboxing it. I, I hope that came through. Sometimes my dry British sense of humor doesn't come across. But, and I fully support the idea of supporting creators whose ideals you agree with and are doing something that you, you, you want to keep out there in the world. I, I think that is kind of why we have things like Kickstarter and Patreon, right? So, yeah, no, no problems at all there. I was just curious because you, you mentioned innovative mechanics. I was just kind of curious what they were. As far as the book series I told you about that I had a Choose Your Own Adventure or, you know, game books for multiple players, they're the Blood Sword series, the Blood Sword series from the 80s, in case you or any of your listeners are familiar with those. They're, you know, they're, they're books like the, um, I got to pull Jackson. Or... Rob over down the heap has called this a Jack Daniels because I'm doing multiple calls as I break in in the middle of the episode. But as far as the Bloodsword series, effectively you have those, and I'm drawing a blank, it's early in the morning, but you, you have those game books, but they're, instead of just set up for one player, like the, the old Steve Jackson game books were, the, these are set up for multiple players. So you can have a number of people. You, you know, playing their characters as you page from paragraph to paragraph. So, kind of cool. Of course, I've never read them or played them, so I don't know how cool it is, but the idea is cool. Hey, Jason. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And <laughs> don't you worry, Jason. Listen, I have a policy that, you know, when I hear somebody say something, I assume that they have the best of intent. So if I'm saying something that sounds like a joke, then yeah, it's probably a joke. So if you say something to me that's that's intended to be a joke, I hope I would hear it as such. Maybe when I respond, my humour doesn't come through, but uh, well, possibly because I'm not used to people taking me seriously. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm just joking around. That can get me in trouble sometimes, though. As it's, it's not always appreciated. You have to pick your moments. But as Spike Pitt would say, 
Every day is a school day. Uh, those Bloodsword books you mentioned, I don't know. I'm kind of getting a, an image of the cover. Um, I don't think I'm familiar with them. I certainly haven't read them or I'll flip through them. I wasn't aware that they were for multiple players. There was a series I seem to recall by Joe Dever of Lone Wolf fame. I'm sure he, he brought out a series, I think they're called Combat Heroes. I believe that it was like a two-player game and you had a separate book each and you would uh, play against each other. Uh, that's I may be getting that completely wrong as I never played it, but I remember seeing it on the shelves and thinking it was an interesting idea. I know you were concerned about the Story Masters Tales game and it being linked to a phone app. Well, the actual, you know, the, the main game itself, the, the box set, everything's in a book. I think there is, you know, an audio version that you can listen to as you play, which would obviously add atmosphere, but, you know, it can be played without the app. The thing that re relies on the app really is the spoken word adventure map. Night of the Blood Wolf. I don't know if that's a one-off or if it's the start of a, a series of interactive solo adventure maps. One hopes that support continues for these things. In fact, that reminds me, I, I saw on Facebook earlier today, there was an advert for a new, a new version of the board game Atmosphere. Now, I, I'm sure that would, be, I'm sure that was available in the States, but it was a board game that you got a VHS tape with and you had to, you know, play sections of the tape at certain points in the game. I never actually played it, so I don't know how well it worked. Uh, it sounds terribly clunky to me, but, you know, we had to make do back then, didn't we? With this new version, I assume it embraces new technology. Uh, yeah, but it was just something I was surprised to see in my feed. Do you have or have you seen one of those rolled-up mats? That's an option for the Cthulhu Hack 2 Kickstarter, or, or their, you know, their mats, the roll-up. It looks kind of like a gimmick, or it might be useful if you do, you know, travel to convention or, or traveling or something to actually in-person games. But do, do you see any use in that for us people trapped on the Internet and trapped in the Matrix to play games? By the way... Um, 7, 7.30, whatever, your time for Morkborg works fine for me. W what a great group of calls there that you have to give context for your listeners to. Enjoy. Yeah, those all rolled up mats. You know, they look look quite cool, actually. I don't know that I would uh, invest in one of those because, as you say, I play online mainly, but it might be handy for just, you know, keeping all your bits together. Pens and notes and dice and stuff all rolled up into a handy little package. I've seen some videos on YouTube, people um, rolling them out. So, you know, if you want to check out the quality of those products, I'm sure that's pretty easy to do. They do those for uh, in a variety of different themes. Um, they certainly look handy if you're traveling around. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for those calls, Jason. Great to hear from you, as always. Cheers. 
Now, at the end of that last message from Jason, he referred to putting his messages in context. And I realized that that's something I'm not particularly good at. So thanks for giving me that nudge, Jason. In Jason's first message, he's referring to my unboxing of Chromatic Dungeons that was in episode 109. No, sorry, episode 190. And my response to his response to that in episode 191. Also, at the end there, Jason was referring to all rolled up mats, which are available at all rolled up. And I will put a link for that in the show description. Thanks again, Jason. Yes, I really enjoyed Morkborg, but uh, I'd love to see how you run it, Spencer, because I think you would. So like, I ran it, and I mean, the mechanics are fine, and it looks like you could really, really blend the mechanics with the world and the lore, but I just, honestly, I don't think when I played it that they, I mean, it could have been any old school game, and I think that you could bring the vibe of the Morkborg to the table, I believe, based on, you know, playing games with you and, and listening to what you talk about and how you talk about games. So I would definitely be in. Um, and then I could uh, try to kill Jason's character like he always tries to get mine killed in various games. Hey, Carl. Thanks for your message. Carl Rodriguez there, the GM extraordinaire from the GMologist presents i know you've only called in to me a couple of times cole but you're always very generous in giving me so much to unpack um first of all the idea of me running Morkborg. well you know whenever anyone suggests the idea of me running a game the first thing that springs to mind is running a mile and considering i can't even walk a mile well that whole issue is going to catch up with me sooner or later. As far as Morkball being that game that I start my GM life with, I don't know. And I'm surprised you think I've got what it takes to bring that Morkball flavour to the table. Uh, because I've spoken about it before. I'm not metal. You know, back in the day... Back in the mid-80s, everyone I played with was into, you know, their, they, they were like really into Iron Maiden. And um, uh, uh, look, you can see I'm struggling to think of other metal bands of the time. I, 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 that music, just for whatever reason, didn't speak to me. You know, I was far more interested in listening to 60s psychedelia or 70s funk or um you know 80s electronica or ska or early hip-hop that's where my head was at so i i kind of always felt a little (laughs) 
I felt a little outside of the group of outsiders that I was a part of. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you think I can bring that kind of, I don't know, what is it, black metal flavour to the table? Um, you know, the thing that makes Morkborg, Morkborg. Also, the idea of me um, having to manage you and Jason trying to off each other during a session. Well, that sounds like some straight in at the deep end type stuff. <laughs> so uh, I guess I don't have to worry about it being an uneventful session if that's the case. But um, yeah, thank you very much for your message, Carl. And um, yeah, plenty to think about there. Now, I don't really, I, I don't often recommend stuff to watch. I don't get to watch an awful lot of TV myself. But um, listening to both Joe and Jason talking about the uh, new Masters of the Universe, the He-Man cartoon, created by Kevin Smith. Now, you know, I used to be a fan of Kevin Smith. I say used to be. I really still rate Clerks. And I do enjoy his early stuff. But, and at the risk of alienating myself even more after saying I'm not a metal guy, I also have zero interest in He-Man. Even back in the day when I was a kid, I just didn't watch it. I didn't rate it. There was a kid living just a couple of doors up from me who was a couple of years younger who was really into He-Man and all the toys. And I think because of that, I sort of decided it was for kids younger than myself. I always viewed any any cartoon that tried to end with some kind of moral lesson, I viewed with suspicion. <laughs> and so I kind of dismissed it without ever bothering to get into it. Uh, yeah, so I haven't been watching this new incarnation and, and by all accounts it's you know it's getting mixed reviews it sounds it sounds pretty mediocre to me but something I have just recently started watching that really surprised me uh, really really been enjoying it is Arcane League of Legends now this is an animated series on Netflix based on a computer game that I don't know anything about I don't know anything about the characters or the lore of this game, so I don't know how well any of it ties in with the actual game itself. I'm not quite sure how, why I started watching it. I obviously saw something about it somewhere because it was not previously on my radar, but um, I just, I just thought I would give it a go, and um, I was really surprised. It's animated, well, it's a combination of traditional animation and CGI, uh, probably uh, kind of um, along the lines of the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film, which is another awesome thing to watch if you haven't seen that. But this is, um, I, th I think they've just commissioned a second season. 
I'm about six episodes in and yeah, this this world, the setting that it's in, it's it's kind of a steampunk thing, but it's more of that weird science thing that I enjoy. Uh, the the look of the thing, as I say, I'm not familiar with the computer game it's based on, but um, to me it's very reminiscent of Dishonored, with a bit of Bioshock Infinite sprinkled in there, because there's this sort of uh, two tiered city. Uh, the city's called Piltover, I think, and the, the the as I say, the setting the setting's kind of a sort of an 18th 19th century setting. The, the city of Piltover looks very kind of Southern European, this very uh, prosperous, affluent city filled with very well-off people living extremely comfortable, kind of idyllic lives. But beneath the city, there's, there's literally this area called Undercity, and it's this this area where people are kind of eking out a living by themselves by whatever means necessary, and the the series starts following a group of these kind of teenage rogues who are attempting to steal some technology from the the city above, and um, what's interesting is. I don't know. I've I've tried to watch a few series recently, and it feels like quite often these shows seem to have a lot of padding. You know, they're building towards something and taking their time about it. Whereas this, the pacing to me, it's like a breakneck, and it's constantly um, adding layers onto this this world. You're learning uh, new things all the time. The characters are. Re- I found the characters really engaging, and you think you're watching the story build to something, and then something quite dramatic happens, which flips everything on its head. and And this seems to be true throughout, building this real kind of complex, well realized society, this world. And you know, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but just to say that I've really, really been enjoying it. And I think it's a great source of gaming inspiration as well. So, uh, yeah, if, if that sounds interesting at all, check it out. I bet you thought that you were going to be able to get through an episode without me inflicting yet another unboxing upon you. But I'm delighted to disappoint you because what I have here is a package from Games Omnivorous. And uh, this is not going to go unannounced because I believe, well, I know what's in here is something very, very special indeed. About A5 box. This box contains a Highland Paranormal Society anthology. Haunted Almanac by Nate Tremay. This 
is beautiful. And when I saw this announced, I just knew I had to make space for it on the shelf because I have followed Nate's work since returning to the hobby. He's been producing consistently intriguing work, incessantly tossing out these delightful ideas. This is a nice kind of, uh, it's almost like a blood red cover. Quite a, a cute looking hooded skeletal figure on the front. And on the back, the distinctive eye design and a list of what this book contains. This is a compilation from Games Omnivorous of almost everything he has produced in the last three or four years. If anybody doesn't know Nate Tremay, they create some wonderful stuff. Really interesting kind of micro games, micro settings, micro adventures. Let's have a look in here. And this, oh, it smells gorgeous. And well, look, I'm going to read the introduction because what better way to introduce you to the work of Nature May. Welcome to the Haunted Almanac. This book collects a large portion of my tabletop gaming work from 2018 to 2021. Most of it was released as small pamphlets and zines through the Highland Paranormal Society Patreon. Creating tabletop games and adventures is a hobby that has grown to become a large part of my life and my creative output. It has been very rewarding to see other people enjoy my work and use it in their games. Tabletop role-playing games, or as I like to call them, adventure games, man after my own heart, are just a more structured version of the imagination games all children play. They are at their best when the rules are simple enough to ignore, when they support play instead of dictating it. I hope something in this book will be useful to you and your friends when you sit down to play together. Do not fear. Explore. I believe I'm familiar with almost everything in this book, being a member of his Patreon, but um, where he kicks things off with uh, Tunnel Goons, which is a great 2D6 system, a game that spawned an infinite number of hacks that can be found all over places like um, itch.io. So that's it, yeah, a system in two pages there. Then we've got the Mouldy Unicorn, a uh, little adventure for Tunnel Goons, which is, uh, well, that's, that takes up, was that four pages? We've got the Astral Curse of the Iron Gnomes, another Tunnel Goons adventure, and uh, what's that, about six, seven, oh, it's quite a few pages to that one. The Eternal Caverns of Urk, which was the adventure that actually contained the first uh, publishing of the Tunnel Goons rules, as far as I recall. Um, we've got to get a few more Tunnel Goons adventures. In fact, we've got pages. What? How many pages are those have we got? 30, 32 pages of those. 
Then we got Prol, the uh, coin flip system with a couple of adventures, Pilgrims of the Knighted Path and Welcome to London. Then in the light of the Ghost Star, then a series of one-page games, how many, uh, Radical Quest, Automaton, Brim and Feather, Mecha Dudes, Snail Knight, Neanderthal, NOSR, Wanderer and Small Business, Yeggs, and Sequencer. And what's great about a lot of um, Nate's games is that they are essentially a character sheet with some rules attached. Just, just wonderful minimalist approach to gaming that um, just just fascinates me. Uh, then we've got some micro settings, East of East, the Lost Island, Doomlands, the Stolen City, Sweet Bark Island, the Nate's Adventures. And these are these will be OSR compatible stuff. Uh, Bad Frog Bargain, Beneath the Mausoleum, Barrow of the Elf King. Cursed Chapel of the Sludge Mother, Death Chemic Gas Station, Fever Black Mountain, Lair of the Sad Mage, Temple of the Bat Serpent, the Mephitic Laboratory of the Pestumancer, the Primeval Hull of the Elk Lord, the Lassic Ziggurat of the Lost Prince, Tomb of the Swine Prophet, and What Child Is This? I believe that's a uh, Christmas adventure um appendix cool stuff in the back d6 unwanted magical companions monster maker and spells of the inverted mountain and um just brimming with great crazy ideas just a very lovely thing to have really nice stuff Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.